Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. That's Mr. Yinza, Brian Hart. Hey, Yinz, want to know something? I'm in a lot of pain right now, so I'm about to bring the pain to all y'all. Man, that doesn't seem fair. That's Addison, Amaze Mayonnaise, Hayes. Uh, man, do you, I wish so bad that James was here because I would tell him that Batman and Iron Man were superheroes, but he's not here, and so I'm just gonna have to trash him on air, and he's just gonna have to listen to this and just be like, "Nah." Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to get some takes on this real quick because uh, both of you need to have a voice on this. And it's me, it's me, it's that old SFD Superflex dude, and this is the Superflex Super Show. So, yeah, we want to talk about Scott Fishbowl 10 scoring today. Uh, we've got a, a, a guy with some with a unique recipe for uh, for doing that. But um, before it sounds like before we get to anything else uh, with our old friend Addison Mayonnaise Hayes, <laughs> we need to talk about Batman apparently. Because if, again, you know, Brian, you weren't in on that conversation last week, uh, and somehow we have a knack for coming up with the, the controversy controversy du jour on this this show like dating back to episode one of super flexible me and addison kicked off the whole cam versus rusting and then since then it's just been i mean there's there's been uh soup for dinner and and something about peeps and and <laughs> <laughs> they're so good <laughs> we, we have some football ones from time to time but a lot of it is is kind of beyond the game of fantasy football but it's the stuff that people truly truly care about and the latest one is is batman a superhero so let's get some thoughts from the two of you guys real quick listen man i just want to say so those two controversies that you brought up russ and cam and peeps, I'm on the winning side on both of those. Russell Wilson has obviously been a better quarterback than Cam over the past like five years. Um, I guess it's been three since we did that because mm-hmm. <laughs> Cam hasn't played in two of those years. So naturally, Russell Wilson's better. Number two, the peeps one. If you think peeps are bad, then I'm sorry that you have a really sad life because peeps are fantastic. It's a marshmallow covered in sugar. There's really not much more <laughs> that you can get better than that. I, I don't understand the, the hatred. And, you know, I mean, if you want to say that there's a peeps on a pizza pie thing that I saw, that looked disgusting. But I would still probably. Well, yeah, you, you, that's <laughs> true of anything. You do weird shit with it. It's going to it's like it stops being appealing. But 
I mean, just eat a freaking peep. Don't you don't do any. Don't put it on your pizza. Don't like <laughs> don't do anything weird with it. Just eat it. Baz for Batman. So I was, I'm listening to this uh, at work because I'm listening to like eight podcasts a night whenever I work. And uh, boy. basically the entire time James was talking, I'm just like yelling at him and saying because he's like, well, when you have Iron Man and he takes off his suit, he's just you and me when he's Batman and, you know, whatever. He just has a butler. I guess that's what makes him a super. I'm like, first of all, these two <laughs> guys have like a superior level intellect. They know like 10 million, at least Batman specifically knows like a hundred different forms of martial arts that he learned in like 10 years, which is literally impossible. And then also the fact that, yeah, they're both rich, but like they know what to do with their money and they know how to, you know, create advantages towards them that mitigates the differences between them who don't have superpowers and guys who are like, you know, like Superman or, you know, Captain America or Thor, like they can like counteract that, like that disadvantage with, yeah, their money, but also their intellect, their genius, you know, and just everything else that they have going for them. You know, everybody talks about how if Batman fought Superman and bet you gave Batman a week to perfect to prepare, Batman would win. And we saw that in Batman versus Superman in the movie. He he prepared and he won. And then, you know, Iron Man, I would believe could take on a decent number of the, the superheroes in Mar <laughs> the Marvel universe. We saw him go toe to toe with Thanos by himself. And he held his own. I mean, Thanos with an infinity, infinity gauntlet is kind of OP anyway. But, like, he held his own. He's out there. Captain America got punched in the dome, and he was one tapped out. Like, that was, like come on now. Like, he, they're, they're both superheroes. And just because they're, they're just humans and they don't have powers doesn't mean that they're not superheroes. So... Uh, first of all, it sounds like you've been you've you've actually been rehearsing this for. I've thought this week. over. Yeah, so <laughs> this, much. these I these sound like pre, <laughs> yeah, pre pre thought out talking points. Uh, to play devil's advocate, even though I like I tend to agree with your your conclusion, uh, Elon Musk superhero, <laughs> probably the smartest dude on earth at this point. Yeah, but he's not one of the richest Iron Man suits. Well, he he could, and he's building rockets and stuff. John, let me ask you this question. I mean, here's how you answer that: Can he whip Meatloaf Wildcat's ass? Because if he well, can, no one then can, he's man. not a superhero. <laughs> That's also yeah, that that eliminates a lot of a I lot. Mean, of Batman people. will whoop my ass. Yeah, Batman, so he's straight up. Yeah, like I mean, it wouldn't even be a contest. Yeah. But then that that also to play to to go against the devil's advocate just because like Bruce Lee could beat you up doesn't make him a superhero either. Yeah, like dude's just really good. I mean, have you ever seen the one inch punch? Yeah, where he's like, hmm. yeah. I mean, that's pretty superhero shit too. I mean, he's that technically was, not a superhero, but that was. I mean, if you mash all that up and put in one person, it's Batman. <laughs> so is super so so let's ask so is superhero and super first of all james how dare you how dare you james um i tried i don't know if it worked it's okay if it didn't I just, I'm, I'm a little bit out of my element with with the superhero stuff anyways like i'm not like the the huge movie guru like 85 percent of the community seems to be with with superheroes but <laughs> 
is super is a superhero and a superhuman the same thing? Like, do you have to because? Oh, there we go. Now we're getting into something. I think because, like, I would say what Bruce Lee could do. I mean, he he does superhuman stuff. Like nobody else can do that shit. So so, I mean, he's kind of superhuman. I mean, theoretically they could if they, but they can't. <laughs> I yeah. mean, we you know we really haven't seen other humans do that. Um. And and with Batman, it's the same thing. Like, I mean, so so here, I, I'm going to give you the the Cliff Notes version. Does he have a theme song? Does he have a sidekick? Both <laughs> of those answers are yes. He's a fucking superhero. Batman. <laughs> Man, you 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 had me right up until that last part. I I like the idea of adding some criterium here to you know what what constitutes a superhero uh and and i also like the distinction of superhero versus superhuman uh i i don't agree on the theme song part obviously um i mean in superman didn't have like a an actual sidekick right he like he had a love interest but not a not a sidekick super dog <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess You're I guess I'm, that's an actual thing. <laughs> I, I, and I am so so I am. I mean, when you when you're talking about sidekicks and uh, and theme songs, too, I mean, that could also be talking about Disney princesses. So <laughs> I guess we ought to probably yeah, throw in capes. Nope, it still doesn't work. No. They did that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Although Elsa throws that shit off in Frozen. So. Yeah. Yeah. And See, I'm taking this conversation a whole different direction right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're onto something with the superhuman thing though. Because like I just just having superpowers kind of excludes a lot of people. And it also doesn't doesn't really tell the whole story. Like the you know, the 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 superhuman aspect I think is is way more important and and I mean, it's like as far as Batman goes, besides like the martial arts and stuff, that guy has an an extremely high pain threshold. I think that that should count for something. Like Mental maybe even fortitude. a, yeah, yeah. Like maybe even you know maybe even uh, that could even be considered his superpower. Like I mean, he like he at, at least in the Dark Knight series, he gets his ass kicked kind of a lot. And never really comes all that close to dying. I don't know. That that seems that <laughs> seems relevant here. That seems important. But anyway, so I I think that we're all on the same page here. Super Batman's a superhero, but yeah. Um, so since the other side isn't isn't fully represented, I guess we better move on. Uh, because we want to talk some more about the Scott Fishbowl. Um, we said it last week, you know, it's, it's first of all, with the, the spring that we just had here on the planet earth, uh, the, the tumultuous times that we've been in the Scott fishbowl kind of, it, that's, it, it, it reminds us of the ties that bind rather than the wedges that divide us kind of brings everybody back together. Um, so, you know, apologies if you're not in the Scott fishbowl, but you know, my other point last week was I feel like the Scott Fish Bowl is still something that you can use 
in all your fantasy leagues. It's not necessarily going to translate one for one, but you know, that looking at fantasy football from a different perspective, considering the different context, considering the different scoring, the different settings, like these are things that you can bring to every last one of your fantasy football leagues. So even if you're not in the Scott Fishbowl, I think that this is stuff that can help to hone your strategies and your processes uh, for for all of your fantasy and all of your dynasty leagues. So we want to talk a little bit about that today. And uh, besides being one of our one of our best friends and one of the founding fathers of uh, this particular podcast. Uh, back in the day when it had a totally different name, uh, Addison is also uh, y- uniquely qualified to talk about the Scott Fishbowl because he's already spent a significant amount of time looking at uh, player values and player scoring so far. And uh, so I, uh, let's start there, Addy. I mean, I, I'm curious... I, I think the first thing here actually is let's let's plug this cheat sheet that you do. <laughs> so um, I'm every single year. I think this is for the, this is the third year. I think I don't know if I did this for Scott Fishbowl seven, which was the first year that I did Scott Fishbowl, uh, and I've done seven, eight, nine, and now ten. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to receive an invite all four years, but I don't know if I did this for the the seven. Uh, but I know for at least the last three years, I've um, done a giant Excel spreadsheet that basically takes um you know the yearly stats for all the players and shows a column for you know regular ppr and half ppr and then also the unique scott fishbowl scoring for that given year um and then that kind of you know you can go through and see which players are you know severely impacted in a positive or a negative way uh compared to what we're used to in terms of if it's ppr half ppr or whatever um, and then, you know, you can kind of go through this is the database all the way back to the year 2000. And you can create trends in terms of, OK, th- you know, these types of players are generally helped more so than these types of players in the scoring. I remember back when like point per first down was introduced, everybody was talking about how that scoring system basically greatly affected the running back position. And it really hurt the wide receivers uh, and tight ends just because the people getting the most first downs are generally running backs. And so that was um, a, a really weird year just in terms of wide receiver ADP. You saw like teams like myself t- not taking a run or a wide receiver until like the ninth round um, and just loading up on running backs. And that strategy hasn't shifted all too much. Um, the the Scott Fishbowl eight scoring was, was really unique in that it added uh, PPR as well too, with a half point per first down. Um, and it's very flat across all, um, all positions, and then you add in the tight end premium as well, too. And now, this year, with the quarterback scoring, it's it's something that nobody has really ever played with before. And so this is a whole new year for a lot of people in terms of the scoring and how it's going to affect these quarterbacks. And so what this database does is it really helps you identify which quarterbacks are going to be good, which ones maybe not so good, in this new scoring and I've added game log stuff in here as well. Um, and just overall, a lot of stuff to, to help you be able to, you know, analyze and interpret the data, however you want to help you in your fantasy and your Scott fishbowl drafts. Um, and so I put that up for, uh, it's $1 to buy the whole entire database. Uh, and then all that money 
um, that is raised from the database sell- sales are then donated to Fantasy Cares. Um, I don't take anything from it. It's all 100% um, donated to Fantasy Cares. So ideally, there's 1,400 or whatever people in Scott Fishbowl this year. Um, so it would be awesome if we can get 1,400 plus uh, people to buy it, which is then $1,400 goes straight to Fantasy Cares. Um, and it's it, it would be fantastic. So um, I'm still I'm, I'm tweaking it. I'm fixing it because I found a little things that were wrong. Uh, but that should be up hopefully by the end of the week on a uh, another teaser brand new website that I've been building with Ken Moody, um, who is also a DLF guy. This is a kind of DLF branch website. So um, that should be coming up hopefully by the end of uh, of this week. Nice. So yeah, you're on a DLF podcast right now. So it all, uh, it all just kind of works together. That's, that's perfect. So, um, do you, uh, so far looking at that cheat sheet, have you, do you have any takeaways as far as, so, all right, here's, here's the thing, guys, (laughs) this, we don't want to tip our hands too much, obviously, (laughs) Uh, we we all recognize that the the cost of doing business sometimes for a podcaster is that our league mates have unfettered uh, access to our strategies just by simply listening listening to the podcast that we're on. Um, and and generally speaking, we accept that, <laughs> and we just we just take our lumps uh, in our in our uh, drafts. We just get. Uh, you know, we, we get sniped all over the place on the guys that we said that we like in our podcast. So, um, but with the Scott fishbowl, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a big tournament that, uh, we probably are going to keep the cards a little bit close to the vest as much as possible. But, uh, have you kind of developed some strategies yet? Have you started to look at, um, you know, possibly, And I guess the other question is because, I mean, I think that a lot of us are starting to find out our draft positions in our divisions. So um, knowing if you know your draft position, have you started to, based on that, start to put together a draft strategy? Yeah. So um, for all those, if you're if you're not aware, so the quarterback scoring on this um, is, is really unique. It has the. Uh, 0.04 points per passing yard and then it's a six negative four touchdown interception um, as well so that all is is pretty um, basic if you've never played in a six negative four it's really not all too different than a four negative two four negative one um, I mean the guys who like Jameis Winston isn't going to be as fantastic as he was because he put up 30 interceptions as well as 30 touchdowns um, but it's it's really not all too different the ultimate difference comes in the points per completion and then the sacks so you get a half a point per completion and you lose a point for every incompletion which basically turns out to about a 67 percent completion percentage as a base zero point um you know takeaway and then if you're better than that you get positive points if you're worse than that you know, you're you're actually losing points um and then you lose a point as well for every sack your quarterback takes um which you know it's it's i i, I am in the camp the quarterback um sacks are a quarterback stat and so that i think is is a very worthy negative point loss and there are definitely quarterbacks who have tendencies to be sacked more than others because they're trying to make too much um out of a play they're trying to make something happen you know they're holding the ball for too long whatever have you so they get sacked more 
than other quarterbacks who just throw the ball away and try to be safe or the ones who are ultra, ultra good. And, you know, like Lamar Jackson just runs away from the dude or Tom Brady, who's, you know, just going to throw it out of bounds and, and not take the sack. Um, or he's just going to, you know, fall down and then whatever. But I get that's still a sack anyway. But that's basically what we're looking at. So the scoring is is super awesome to to actually look at in terms of quarterbacks. Um, and I I feel like I should just tell people what's going on here, but I don't <laughs> want to. Um, but tough, like, man. The, so the problem is like there's 1,400 plus people in this in this thing, right? So winning the whole thing is such a small percentage and then even if you hit the quarterbacks you might completely whiff on your positional players and then that's just going to ruin you anyway so uh I, I don't know how much of an advantage it would be to keep some of these guys to myself um but i feel like other people are catching on as well i i'm in a group chat so i have the 101 um and i'm in a 101 group chat and everybody seems to have identified some of the late round guys to really like as well as people that we hope are going to be there at the two, three turn. Uh, and even the conversation stemming of, well, is the one one for sure McCaffrey or not? Is it Patrick Mahomes? Is it Lamar Jackson? You know, what, what is the, uh, the overall, you know, strategy for the one one Brian's shaking his head because he wants me to take <laughs> Saquon Barkley one one um, which ding, is, ding, 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 ding. which is fine coming from a Penn state grad myself. Um, you know, but uh, currently my pick is Christian McCaffrey and I'm hoping um, if you're in the DC figures division and you're listening to this, please just put this on skip, hit the skip 30 real quick. I am hoping that drew Brees is there for me at the two, three turn. Um, because then, uh, that would be a fantastic start because Brees is actually super, super, super awesome in this format because he has an ultra high completion percentage, doesn't throw interceptions. There's a high number of touchdowns and he throws a lot of yards and doesn't really get sacked all too much either. He's one of the smarter quarterbacks who's able to know to throw the ball away or he just, you know, the ball is out of his hands in a half a second because it's to Michael Thomas on a slant route and the opportunity to get sacked isn't really there. So, um, it, you know, it's, he's, he was the QB six last year in 11 games in this scoring. Um, and then there's also a lot of other quarterbacks that I'm really hoping are there uh, late as well. And then there's also the guys that I really hope other people take because they think they're going to be good, but they're actually not. Um, so so, yeah, but I, I feel like I talk way too much. And I haven't heard Brian at all today. Brian, what's going on, man? What do you think? What's up, dude? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, first and foremost, um, so John mentioned about keeping close to the vest here. I there I I will I am going to be throwing up at the mouth. Um, number one, because of the peep stuff earlier. Uh, and number two, <laughs> number two, because I just can't keep the excitement of the fishbowl to myself. If it causes me to get sniped a few times, it's probably just going to happen because it's, it's tough. I suggest you do that, John, because we do need someone else from the show to win the fishbowl. So go ahead and do that for us. Um, <laughs> That's the plan. I, I, Yes, absolutely. Well, and, and and hopefully, you know, again, I obviously, I mean, everybody, you play to win the game, right, Herm? But, um, I mean, Addison makes a lot of great points here, and, and the, the scoring is so unique that it's going to change the way a typical dynasty manager drafts, or it should. It should. It really should. I mean, he mentioned the 67% completion percentage as a threshold for the completions versus incompletions. That's yeah. six quarterbacks last year. <laughs> yeah, six. Yeah. 
it it's it's tough, man. That's so, just a, that's just a break even on right. completion percentage. Now, obviously, there are other things, and and again, Addison mentioned the rushing yards, um, you know, and and not taking sacks. Those things are going to be very important to look at because those are the diff. I mean. I mean if only six quarterbacks completed more than 60% or 67% of their passes last year, and that's the break even threshold in that statistical category, then you've got to find the other categories where you can make up, you know, if you get one of those guys that's below that cutoff point, you know, they better be good at the other categories, you know, or <laughs> else you're in, you're going to be in trouble. I, I think the thing for us too, right? Superflex super shows, we're talking about Superflex. We are so. We have it so ingrained in our DNA to draft quarterbacks early and often. And I think this draft is going to be different, not in the sense that you still don't want to have three good quarterbacks, maybe a fourth. I think you're wasting roster spots, John, maybe with a fifth in this particular format. But agreed. We can we can talk about it. Oh wow, agreed. Agreed. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> and so, I'll tell I'll tell you perfect. why in a second, but I'm gonna let you finish. But and then I'm gonna talk about to me the most important setting in this whole thing, but yeah, well that, wow. I'm, I'm a little bit thrown off here with, with the agreement there. So that's, that's awesome. Well, you um, can't trade. So there's no trade value in the correct. Well, you just, yeah. <laughs> he stole it. He's Spoiler alert. Alert. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's going, it's, it's just, it's bucking our, our DNA right in, in this format because quarterbacks, are going to matter, but outside of the top few, mm-hmm. I don't think they matter as much. Right. I, I just, I don't think, I don't think, and, and here's the other thing. And running backs for me, I mean, when you're looking at this, if I want an elite running back, period, an elite running back, period, guy that gets first downs, touchdowns. You know, um, yeah, I mean, yardage is nice, too. And if he can catch some passes to add points here and there, of course. But, I mean, first downs and touchdowns are are, are the stats that I'm chasing at the running back position. Um, and, you know, so I want one of those elite guys. Now, Addy said he'd take McCaffrey one. I would take Barkley one, and that's just personal preference. Absolutely, Christian McCaffrey is worthy of that selection um, in, in this format. And I... I have absolutely no issue with that. I just, I mean, I, everybody knows by now, so I don't even have to say it. Um, but, but yeah, so I want one of those elite running backs. So I'm hoping that I did not select a preference for draft slot, which was stupid as hell on my part. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that an elite running back falls. If not, I'll adjust. If not, I'll adjust. But I think if you take an elite running back early, uh, you know, top five picks, there will be some quarterbacks that you probably in a normal super flex league wouldn't expect to get back to you that probably will get back to you when you're back up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that that's probably true. I'm, I'm still kind of thrown off by quarterbacks and that's why it's a big part of why I, I wanted to talk with both of you guys about this um, just to kind of talk through the strategy at quarterback specifically, but like to just take a, a, a step back and take a broader look at this, you know, like Addison said, it, you, you can't trade. And that's something that a lot of people miss to me. That is the most important setting in this entire, in the, in this entire league. So again, you know, having more than three quarterbacks, 
like the reason that we do that in most of our leagues is the fact that you can trade them away for a lot more value than um, than what you what you paid for them. You know what you gave up in draft capital. The 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 thing that we really need to do here is just take the word value completely out of our vocabulary when it comes to the Scott Fishbowl. It doesn't exist in the Scott Fishbowl. Value is for trading, right, Mister Trade Addicts? Like that's that's yeah. like yeah. that's that's all we're talking about when we say value. We're talking about what can I get in return for this? You know, it's kind of an economic term. And that doesn't exist if you can't trade. So, you know, the idea that that you can get a certain player, like, you know, player X is going to fall so far in my draft and then I'm going to, in my Scott Fishbowl draft, and then I'm going to pick him up. Um, you know, he's he's got like a second round ADP. I'm going to get him in the fifth because he's such great value. If he fell to the fifth round, he's not it, it, he's not good value. Like there's a reason that he fell that far, and it's because he's not going to be useful for anything other than trading. And if you can't trade him in this league, then I mean you're just wasting a roster spot. So I look at this ADP and I see Dalvin Cook going ninth overall. Uh, the the lowest he goes is 16th, and I I don't get it, guys. I don't understand. Dalvin Cook going in the first round in a league where you can't trade him. Like, what am I missing? I, it, we already know that he's planning on holding out for a contract that's probably not coming. We know that that's within the realm of possibility because we've seen it the last two years with Melvin Gordon and Le'Veon Bell. You know, we we also know that there's an injury history with this particular running back. We know that the running back depth behind him is extremely is extremely uh, I, it's probably the best running back depth chart in the NFL at least to me I, I I don't I don't understand where the like you know what what is Dalvin Cook going to do for you if you can't trade him you know so I, I think that that people are still kind of missing that piece of it and I think that that part's pretty crucial. There's also that point too, where, like I said, there's over 1,400, uh, you know, people in this league, right? And so, to in order to win it, you have to swing for the fences. There's really no playing it safe, you know, mm-hmm. in this. Like you have to take the guys who have that ultimate upside, you know, because if you don't and you're playing it safe, you know, yeah, that's fantastic. You might go, you know, ten and, and three, or or eleven and two, or whatever, and then you might go into your division and then win or, or go to the semis or whatever, but that's not getting you anything. Right. You know, that like that's, yeah, that's fantastic. But there's like 200 leagues or, or division in this league. You know, you're one of 200 people who won your division. And I think you get a prize for winning your division. Um, but you know, it's not, you're, you're not winning the Scott fishbowl. Like there's a major difference between what stompy has been doing for the last two years because <laughs> he won. Uh, and a guy who's like, yeah, I won. Uh, you know, my division last year, you know, like there's, there's a, there's a complete difference between the two. And so, you know, just swinging for the fences and, and taking a guy like Dalvin cook, I think at the right price could be an awesome pick because his ultimate ceiling is a workhorse guy. And we're drafting in the beginning of July. We're drafting in like a month from now or a couple weeks. 
Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he could get a contract done by the end of July after all of our drafts are done and then play 16 games. So what's, let's say that he stays healthy. His ultimate ceiling is a top three running back or better in that mm-hmm. system because he catches passes. He's a workhorse. He's going to get a lot of first downs and touchdowns. Like Brian said, he yeah. could be a league winning guy for someone who maybe that's their second pick. Cook is their second pick, you know, and you're able to stack him with potentially one of the top quarterbacks as well, too. And then, you know, you hit on a guy late as well. And then that's that's it. You you, you have a chance to now win Scott Fishbowl. So that's what at least for Dalvin Cook, like you can't be, you know, uh, you would know, you take completely off? Would you take him at nine, Addison? Uh, would I take him at nine? If assuming that, see, this is this is interesting. Because, right now, today, we're you're on the clock. Are you taking Dalvin Cook at nine? See, here's my problem because there's going to be so much variance between the drafts, and this is kind of leading into my other uh, a second point that I wanted to bring up is that there's going to be so much difference in terms of where these quarterbacks go in all of these divisions that, like, being at nine with five quarterbacks already off the board is completely different than taking Davin cook at nine with one quarterback or two or two quarterbacks off the board. Like if it's just Lamar and Mahomes, right? So like I would take him RB six or seven, maybe Dalvin. Yeah. Hmm. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's see. So seven. I mean, Miles Sanders right now is is. I'd rather RB have Dalvin eight. Cook. You'd rather have Dalvin, uh Nick Chubb RB nine. I'd rather have Davin Cook. Yeah, right. I'm. I'm not. I'm not on board with that per se over those particular players, especially with the question marks around the holdout, and and because I stated on the Trade Addicts pod uh, last week that I don't know that Dalvin Cook is even that good. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, Which caused a stir, but you know, <laughs> I I love Dalvin Cook's talent, but yeah, I mean there there are just too many, too many forces working against him right now. The I mean the the other thing, and and you know we've kind of we've kind of forgotten about this because you know Melvin Gordon, for instance, managed to avoid this last year, but when these guys hold out, they end up coming back. And, you know, they've they've missed some of the, uh, you know, some of the conditioning that you get in the in training camp and in the preseason. And everybody's going to miss that this year, though. Now we're getting uh, a completely different conversation. (laughs) I don't I don't know, man. I I don't I mean, possibly the preseason stuff. But yeah, they're the the yeah covid just causes a whole, a whole other set of strategy <laughs> right uh i agree but what with if, that. what if you're but, drafting at the beginning of july you take dalvin cook say at uh the the one two turn right uh-huh. and he's like rb eight or nine or ten off the board maybe that's just what happens and then he signs a deal a week later yeah uh, then what so, <laughs> so I, I i get the home run swing but to me, like it, the it, I, I I know that you have to take those swings, but I don't think you do it in the first you know two or three rounds. Like I think you do it later wow. in the draft. Like the guys that I consider the like home run swings that I would want to take, you know, I I mean it, it's primarily a wide receiver first of all, but you know guys like Paris Campbell and um, to go super deep and you know a little less deep 
a more a, a kind of a sexier couple of names, but you know, Hollywood Brown, Deontay Johnson, like those are the type of guys that to me, that's the home run swing is like later, later in the draft going after these guys to it running back to me, Boston Scott is, is a home run swing type of guy. Um, you know, Chase Edmonds is a home run swing type of guy. Like those are guys who could end up being league winners for you that, but I, I mean, to me in the first couple rounds, like the home run swing looks a little different. It's, there still has to be some safety involved. There has to be some security. Uh, you've got to have a you've got to have a fairly high floor with those first couple picks, or else I mean, this thing is just not even going to get off the runway if you don't have a floor from your first couple picks. So, yeah. th- like to me, like a home run swing in the early rounds is is more like stack your quarterback and your wide receiver. You know, Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. Like that's a to me that's the type of home runs week because you're you're still getting a fairly high floor from both of those guys you take those you know Dak at the end of the first round and uh Cooper you know when it comes back to you at the end of the third round something like that if I assuming he makes it that far I haven't even looked at the ADP to see if that's realistic but you know a, a move like that that's you know again you get the high floor but then there's a possibility here that this is the best offense in the NFL. This is this is that team that just goes absolutely nuts on offense, and that's where you hit the home run is the fact that you're you're double dipping on points every single time these guys connect for a touchdown, which happens, you know, to the tune of like twenty times in the season. Like that to me, that's the the way that you you go for broke early in the draft. Yeah, and it kind of, I mean, this whole conversation kind of points to your point, Addy, about how different drafts are going to go, right? I mean, this you're seeing it right here on the show. I mean, you can you can build a Scott Fishbowl roster completely differently. I mean, there's going to be people that are ultra aggressive and take nothing but home run swings because they feel like, look, I want to win this thing and I have to... You know, I have to take risks in order to do so. And then you're going to have people that are a little bit more conservative that are are trying to make sure that they have the highest floor possible so that they're in it. You know what I mean? Because you do have to be you have to be in it to 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 win it, but you can't probably win. So it's 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 a balance of calculated risks versus high floor players. And, and you need both on your roster, I think. I mean, I, you know, I think the best strategy is kind of combining those two ideas of, hey, yeah, you're going to have to have some players that absolutely hit that aren't expected to. And if they if you don't have those players on your team, you're probably not winning the fishbowl. You might do well. You might make the playoffs. You might get into the second round of the playoffs, but you're probably not winning the whole thing. Um, but you also have to be around to make it into the playoffs. So that's a delicate, that's a delicate balance. I, I think both of you bring up great points on opposite ends of that argument. One thing I do want to bring up is um, I think it, it, and this is going to sound really weird because everybody's all about, they hate slow drafts, right? And they hate, especially Scott fish. They hate, you know, the Scott fish, when, <laughs> when the Scott fish bull happens, you know, that it's just like, it's like, man, I just I, I want to start drafting. You know, Monday's here. That Scott Fishbowl draft is like, man, Monday's here. Let's go. Let's crank out like four rounds today. All this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But I think there is going to be a lot of 
um, benefit to the people who are in slower drafts because they're going to get to see how the other ones are playing out, especially quarterback wise. You know, beforehand, when you look at Scott Fishbowl eight and Scott Fishbowl nine scoring, there, um, you know, the you can kind of there's not a whole lot of difference in terms of the uh, you know the point per first down. We were already kind of used to that, or and uh, PPR as well. You know, it, the regular quarterback scoring, so you kind of know how drafts are going to go. But like this one, like I said, there's going to be divisions where only Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are the, are the two quarterbacks gone in the first round. There might be some where there's the, the only one of them. There might be one or two where only one of those quarterbacks is taken in the first round. Then there's going to be divisions where somebody starts that quarterback run in the first round, and then the top like six, seven quarterbacks are gone in the first round. And then you're going to be sitting there at the second round, and you're going to be looking at guys you know, like Michael Thomas might still be there in the second round. You know, um, Zeke might still be there in the second round. You know, it, Kamara might still be there in the second round. Like it's 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 going to be so wildly different um, from division to division this year with how these quarterbacks are going to go, and it's going to be super interesting to be able to sit back and watch all of these ADPs. And that's why um, one of my questions to you, I mean, John, you're running the mock drafts, but then Brian, you you are also looking at the ADP as well too. How much stock are you putting into that data? Because in previous years, that really hasn't meant anything. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like people are like, well, they don't want to tip their hand, right? They don't want to like show too much of their strategy and take actual guys that they want in those mock drafts. And then there's also the people who are there in the mock drafts who haven't done really any, you know, any research or analysis on how the scoring is going to go. And they're just are literally looking at the MFL ADP box and they're like, yep, <laughs> I'm taking the top guy on this ADP. And that's just kind of how it goes. So I'm wondering how much stock you guys are putting into this ADP. Um, because again, we are seeing a wide range of, of minimum and maximums for a lot of these quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I think I think for me, I'm not putting a ton of stock in. I mean, I, I certainly think they're valuable. I certainly think that there's value in entering a mock draft that that has Scott Fishbowl scoring so that you can kind of see just some of the different stuff that might happen during your draft. Because I, I, I mean, as you can see via the mocks, you know, we're all over the place in terms of where these guys are going. So it gives you a chance to react in a draft situation, um, you know, so that you're not kind of caught off guard by, holy crap, like somebody just took, you know, Drew Brees as the third quarterback off the board, Addy, right? Uh, I mean, <laughs> don't I mean, well, stop saying that. <laughs> sorry. I, uh, again, if you're in Addy's division, just skip forward for 30 seconds or whatever. Just ignore <laughs> what I just said. Take Josh um, Allen. You know, there, yeah, there you, but, but, but for real, I mean, I, I think that, you know, certainly there is value in that, in going through the mock process and seeing those different things that happen during a draft and then adjusting accordingly. Um, you know, rather than going into the fishbowl and never doing a mock and now you don't know how to react to what just happened because it threw you so bad, you know. But as far as the values themselves, I think the one thing that is cool about the fishbowl too target the players you like. You don't have to worry about value. Like John said, there's no trade value here. You're chasing points in this league. That's what you're chasing. You're not chasing values. You're chasing points. Who's going to score me the most points out of the people that are available to draft at this pick? 
Yeah. And what have what has my draft looked like up until the up until this point? So if you feel good about one position, well then move to a different position and maximize your potential points there, you know, based on the information that we have. So to me, this is I love drafting like this. This is how I draft like in in league and this is going to sound really backwards and and bad. This is how I draft in leagues that I don't care about quite as much. <laughs> like normal leagues that I don't care about as much because, nice. you know, you, you kind of throw caution to the wind about value. Like, oh, somebody's going to look at me and think I'm batshit crazy because I took somebody four rounds ahead of where ADP says they should be taken. Bullshit. In the fishbowl, you take a guy when you want to take him. If, if, if you feel like George Kittle's the best guy on the board, take him with your first round pick. Who cares? If you feel yep, yep. like, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you can target players that you like and, and really reach for guys that you like reach and build your, you know, look, I, I preach all the time about not worrying about your, your starting roster until, you know, a week before the season. That is not the case in the Scott Fishbowl at all. As you're drafting, absolutely worry about your starting roster and slot these guys in where you can maximize points because at the end of the day, that's what you have to do. You're not playing head-to-head, especially once we get later on down down the line. You're not worrying about head-to-head. You're worrying about how many points can my team score as a whole. Yeah. I mean, yes, you're playing other people, but you're – I mean, it's the, it's the not playoffs, one to one. I'll play. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. I mean, with with reason, though, too, like just because you love Deontay Johnson, you probably don't. That doesn't mean take him in the third round. Right. (laughs) But but I mean, you could. But yeah, yeah, you could. But I mean, like if you pass on a guy and then he gets taken, there is zero opportunity for you to get that guy at any point, you know? So like you 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 have to take your guy. And I love the value thing that you brought up. There is no you know, there is no value in this because i think it was um i believe i'm accurate when i say this but i know for a fact there was at least one point in my drafts uh last year um this is from uh josh adhd's you know uh, scott fishbowl app which is fantastic it's really cool to look at and see how the drafts are going overall um and i was the (laughs) i was the guy who had gotten uh, and i was proud of this at the time i had both Corey davis and Sammy Watkins on my Scott Fishbowl team last year. Yep. And I was so happy because I was the, I was able to get them at their lowest point in uh, any Scott Fishbowl draft at all last year. And I was <laughs> like, man, what a value. I got Corey <laughs> Davis and Sammy Watkins at a value. Y'all are taking them two rounds earlier than me. Look at, uh, I'm the freaking <laughs> winner here. Look at that. And I don't think I started any of them. I for sure didn't start Sammy Watkins week one. And I might have started in week two and then got burned. And then uh, Corey Davis just never played for me. They didn't help me at all. You know, it would have been it would have been better if I would have just said, screw value. Screw the fact that everybody else is grabbing Corey Davis and Sammy Watkins two rounds before where they're at right now. And just been like, you know what? Maybe this is the the chance where I take, you know, a, a higher upside guy, you know. And I don't remember who was there um around those same adps but you know that that terry mclaurin might have been there or you know dj chark might have been there i mean i probably i don't i don't probably you know so so you know that's just to emphasize your point there brian about there is no value in scott fishbowl right the only value is relative to you know uh is this guy going to be here again if i wait that's the value 
Yeah. You know, that's the only thing to worry about. Other than that, I mean, don't it, it, it's it's you're not you don't have to stick. I mean, of course, we I mean, I think most people when drafting use ADP as as a guide. And in that regard, at least, you know, well, what's the likelihood that this person what's the probability that this person is going to be around if I wait? You know, and 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 you made the perfect point, Addy. Don't wait for your guys because if they're not there, you don't have a chance to get them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On top of that, so last year I, you know, I talked a lot about this. I was saying, you know, there's there's no such thing as a reach. Like if you're a 1.01, there's basically 24 players there who who you can decide from. You know, if if you if you didn't think Pat Mahomes was worth the 101. And, or, you know, maybe you wanted somebody else. Maybe you thought Aaron Jones was going to, uh, although he, he, I mean, he didn't have a second round ADP, but Leonard Fournette, let's go with Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, and, and he would, he had a second round ADP and, uh, you know, you, you felt like he was the guy that you had to have on your roster. There was absolutely nothing wrong with taking him at 1.01 because, you know, the, again, reach doesn't exist. If it's within those those twenty four spots, then your only chance to get him is at one hundred and one. If you have to have him, you get him there. And again, you know, throw the the value thing out the window. But I'm going to take it a step further this year and say, it, regardless of the round, regardless of the spot, because there's also an opportunity cost. You know, so we'll go back to that same analogy. You're at 1.01. You've got a running back that you want, and let's still call it Leonard Fournette. If you if you feel like Leonard Fournette is the guy that you have to have, even though you can probably get him, you know, when it comes back to you at the 2-3 turn, he's probably still going to be there for you. But the problem is if you t- if you if you wait until the 2-3 turn, first of all, you miss on the opportunity to get him. Second, if if you if you take somebody just because that's the right spot to take, you take Pat Mahomes at uh, at one point oh one instead of Leonard Fournette, then you know now at the two three turn, regardless of it could be a massive running back run. Not only do you miss on Leonard Fournette, but you miss on you know, uh, the, the top 14, 15 running backs by the time it gets back to you, but you still, and, and the, and the quarterbacks look great at that two, three turn. You still have to take running back, even though they look like absolute crap. There's kind of there, you know, there's, there's no real reason to, to go quarterback there and pass on the running backs because you've got Pat Mahomes. You know, you, you already have that quarterback one position pretty well locked up. So, you know, so there's also the opportunity cost of taking a certain player at a certain spot. So to me, that's why I still, I, I'm probably still going quarterback early. I'm probably still going quarterback in the first round, you know, it's just because I don't want to have to take quarterback in the, the fourth and fifth rounds where I really like the wide receivers, for instance. So this is actually an amazing segue into my what I really wanted to talk with you guys. And I'm nice. glad Brian's here, too, because, John, you and I have already kind of had a little bit of back and forth on Twitter. Yeah, so I can get Brian's um, opinion on this. But I wanted to know how you guys are feeling about 
quarterbacks in this, right? Because so to give you some numbers here, of the 30, how many is there? 37 quarterbacks um, last year to play over eight games, only nine of them had a uh, a minimum point game that was positive. So, <laughs> so, so literally every quarterback, these are the only nine quarterbacks who didn't. Mahomes, Lamar, Stafford, Wentz, Russell Wilson, Taysom Hill, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, and Kyler Murray were the only nine quarterbacks last year who didn't have a negative game. So literally everybody else at some point in the season had a negative game. That includes Drew Brees. That includes Deshaun Watson. That includes, you know, Daniel Jones, Josh Allen, Jared Goff, Tom Brady. You know, uh, there's all these quarterbacks, and you're going at some point run into a negative game, I think, or at least a really bad game. Like, Mm -hmm. even with the guys who had positive games as their worst game, Dak's worst game was .3 points. Aaron Rodgers' was .3. Kyler Murray's was .3. Even Lamar Jackson's worst game last year was 4.9 points. Um, Mahomes is is amazing. His his worst game was 11 points. And that wasn't even the game that he got injured in. (laughs) John, I told you, I said the game that, that Patrick Mahomes got injured in, he had such a high completion percentage. And only through like and, and through one touchdown, didn't throw any any picks. He had like 15 points that week. And yeah. so um, you know, that I think I think that speaks to how amazing Pat Mahomes is, um, because he is just an amazing passer, has the touchdown to interception ratio that everybody covets and wants. Um, and he's not gonna get sacked, and he has that sneaky rushing ability. Um, so I'm I'm wondering how you guys feel about this because I've gone back and forth on do I want two stud quarterbacks um, like off the gate, off the rip, you know, or do I want maybe say um, a bunch of, you know, lower end guys? Like, do I want to grab three Kirk Cousins and, and, you know, Derek Carr and then another like Matt Ryan or, or whoever, um, and then just be able to try and plug and play and piece those together through their matchups? Um, because, you know, I, I've said before that I'm not sure that there's, that I'm going to have a quarterback in my super flex every single week, just because, you know, I think there's a, an opportunity that one of my bench guys scores more than nine, 10 points, which is going to beat out maybe 35 to 40% of the quarterbacks that week, you know, and, and, you know, is especially the guys who put up a negative point uh, game, (laughs) like, you know, that's going to kill you that Sam Darnold's worst game last year was negative 29 points. Imagine just <laughs> losing 29 points. You know, even Baker Mayfield's worst game was minus 18. Jared Goff's worst game was negative 10. Tom Brady's worst game was negative 10. Like, yeah. th- like this is going to happen. And I just, I- I'm wondering if, you know, there's, there's more safety in just having one guy and just having Pat Mahomes, having Lamar Jackson, um, having a, maybe a Kyler Murray or something like that um, or, or Dak. And then just saying screw the superflex, or if I should have four guys who I just kind of like piece together on a weekly basis and just you know hope that I'm not having a terrible game because <laughs> I feel like the predictability is still there. You know when quarterbacks are going to have good games or bad games, um, over more often more times than not. So I feel like that might be the way to go, but I'm really not sure. So 
this isn't necessarily going to change my answer, but do you happen to know um, when on, on these negative games, like, I mean, Sam Darnold's negative 29. Do you happen to know who that was against? That was the Patriots game. I think the one where he said he was seeing ghosts. He threw like five picks. Yeah. So, which at the time the Patriots were, I mean, they were the number one defense in every fantasy category um at the time so uh, that's the thing like i'm i'm kind of curious if these if these negative games these down games like how predictable was it or did this just kind of come out of nowhere for for us let me see because i can pull up uh i have game logs with the scott fishbowl scoring so let me see big at least for baker mayfield's his worst game um wait where'd it go um Sorry, John, I'm giving you editing. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, and we don't even have to have a, la- a lag here. I mean, if Brian has some initial thoughts, too. Yeah, no, I, de- I definitely do. Um, Baker's worst game was against Cleveland in week five. Or not, not Cleveland, San Francisco. I looked at the wrong column. Was against San Francisco. So another good defense. So, yeah, yes. a, a, a top five defense. He scored two fantasy points in regular scoring. And he scored negative 18 in Scott Fishman. so here's here's the takeaway from hearing from hearing those numbers for me um well there's a couple of things first and foremost so quarterbacks i mean basically what we're saying here is when you're comparing this scoring in the scott fish bowl to a more traditional type of league where there's not quite as much negative scoring and whatnot um for the quarterbacks you know, the 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 big kind of theme that is out there that I see is quarterbacks probably aren't going to win you many weeks in this format, mm-hmm. but they sure as hell can lose you weeks in this format. Because of that, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think I like the idea of kind of moving away from a quarterback in the super flex. Because again, it's so it's so ingrained in our DNA on, especially on this show, to to play a quarterback in the super flex position, but typically the quarterback we're playing in the super flex position isn't Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Carson Wentz or whoever else because that's our Q- QB one. Hopefully, so I mean you're talking about starting somebody like Jameis or Stafford or you know whatever. I mean, throw out whatever name you want. And and realistically, you have just as good a chance to score negative points as you do to score positive points in that case. So I'd rather put a player in there from a position that's going to score me positive points. So, yeah, I'm fading the super flex position when it comes to these quarterbacks. And the more I think about it, too, the other theme that I've been thinking about this whole show and just haven't gotten it out yet because I, I talk gibberish sometimes. I'm a yinzer <laughs> um, Is... You know, I'm looking at guys that, you know, guys that the dynasty community doesn't like are the guys that I'm looking for in this scoring format. Derek Carr, to me, now there's some risk there because, you know, the the talk about Mariota taking over that position eventually or whatever. Yes, there's, I mean, whatever, there's. There's risk there, I guess, a little no, bit. There's not. I, said I don't necessarily see. Addy, I listened I, to you and I'm, Scott Sidlow, and you guys said the same thing last night. And I'm like, <laughs> if Mariota was a good quarterback, he wouldn't have been just been paid a five million dollar contract 
<laughs> I agree. I agree. He he just, he got, he got, I mean, he got beat out by Ryan Tannehill. No disrespect to Ryan Tannehill. That's another guy I would love in this format. Guys that don't necessarily, you know, we we hate guys that don't have, you know, that don't throw the ball down the field. The dink and dunk garbage, right? I mean, we we can't stand that shit. In this format, those are the guys I want. Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill. And yes, I'm tipping my hand a little bit here. But those are the quarterbacks that have have value to me in this. And again, we, we just spent a whole segment talking about there is no value in this. But th those are the players that I feel more confident about having in my roster outside of the elite. Because again, you have to realize if you're taking one of those elite quarterbacks, then you're not taking an elite running back. And in this format, I think that an elite running back, I don't even give a shit about wide receivers. I really don't. I'm I'm probably I will probably not draft a wide receiver in this draft in the first six rounds. I just don't I just don't I don't think it's I don't think it makes sense to. And I mean, unless you're, you know, and and, and the other thing, I mean, I mean, obviously, Michael Thomas, there are exceptions everywhere, but like, I, I just don't, I'm fading the wide receiver position hard in this because I think that you can get guys. I mean, we mentioned one of them off the air and I'm, I won't say his name because I don't, I, you know, I, I respect you two and you're trying to win the fishbowl. And so I won't put it out there, but you know, um, yeah, that guy, right? And guys like Jarvis Landry, guys like uh, you know, whatever, like that that are that are the first down getters, right? Which is pretty darn important in this league. Um, you know, you can get those guys so much later because they're not flashy, they're not, you know, superstar players. Um, and and John, I think it makes a lot of sense taking some of the younger guys that you had talked about the the home run swings that you talked about earlier in the show. I think that those guys are going to be. I mean, I I would feel more confident with elite running backs, those guys at wide receiver, and a couple of the quarterbacks I mentioned than I would having, you know, that second tier of quarterback where you're still probably going to get a bunch, you know, a few negative games and and not. I mean. It, Outside of Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, I don't think quarterbacks are winning you games. So if you get one of those guys, great. If you don't, then try to get guys that aren't going to lose you games. How many of those those guys do you want? Total? I, I mean, I want yeah. three quarter. I want three quarterbacks total. I think, but I'm Good. willing to wait and have Derek Carr be my QB two. Yeah. What about I think you, I want four. Four. I think. Yeah. And I'm looking at, you know, so, I mean, we, we talked about how much we stock we put into the ADP, but I think it's also interesting too. I pulled up um, and compared the ADP from your Scott Fishbowl mock drafts that you're running, John, mm -hmm. and then best ball 10 ADP since the draft. Um, so basically over the last month and a half and overall, there's not a ton of difference in terms of the order that these quarterbacks are going off the board. I mean, some of them are, are you know, are, are being bumped up maybe a spot or two over some others um, versus some or uh, are, are dropping, you know, like Carson Wentz um, is, is being bumped up. Josh Allen is being bumped down, but those are only like two or three spots within the quarterback position that they're being drafted. But overall we know the guys that the industry and the community don't like. And, you know, it really seems like they still don't like them. Like, I mean, you brought up Derek Carr, uh, you know, Jimmy or um, Ryan Tannehill. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is another one of those guys. Yep, absolutely. Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, the, and there's, 
there's a bunch of guys that I, I'm that you know almost like completely off of um, because I, I want the guys later, um, and and I think that I just want and I said this to John. I think the completion percentage portion of the quarterback scoring is is the weekly hack. I think that's how you get quick and easy points, and I also think that's how it's going to kill you. Um, is going is a really good or really bad completion percentage, and so I don't mind the dink and gun, dink and dunk guys. You know, like the, if you know when we look at like Teddy Bridgewater, if he's going to be throwing, you know, dump off passes to Christian McCaffrey eighty times this year, uh, you know, you, you get a half a point every single time he does that versus an incomplete pass thirty yards downfield to Curtis Samuel or, or Robbie Anderson. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's it's much more valuable for a guy like Teddy Bridgewater in this scoring to dump it off to Christian McCaffrey than he has like 10 yards after the catch, you know, and, and you're getting points that way versus, you know, a 30 percent completion percentage on a deep ball pass to Robbie Anderson. You know, like that's that's and, and I don't want the guys who are, you know, continually taking shots downfield for for incomplete passes or or whatever you know and so there's there's a bunch of these guys that i want late and i think that's why i want four of them because you can still you know have a decent number of running backs to be able to you know play those however you want on a weekly basis wide receivers we said we're not really on high priority and i think if you have a solid set of like four or five guys you're not starting many more than that you know, like it's, it's fantastic that, you know, Steven Sims is a guy that I think of that, like, everybody's like, man, if he hits late, you know, he's going to be a guy that could really outperform his ADP. And yeah, he might outperform his wide receiver ADP, but if he's your wide receiver six, how many times are you starting him in a start two or three wide receiver league over guys that you mentioned Jarvis Landry, or if you, if you drafted guys before that, like if you drafted a Michael Thomas or a Julio Jones, you know, or, or an Adam Thielen, like how many times are you starting Steven Sims over those guys? You're not maybe on a bye week but you're not like, you don't need the wide receiver depth. Right. Uh, and then tight ends, I think is another interesting one because if I'm grabbing so many quarterbacks and I'm hammering running backs and the wide receivers get sprinkled in the tight end position, I think is going to be the one that I um, am fading the most. And so grabbing, you know, and, and taking a couple of dart throws on a lot of our, community and industry favorite late round tight ends i think would would be how i'm i'm drafting yeah it feels like this tight end premium isn't really powerful enough to it's one ppr yeah which you think about it (laughs) yeah it's a half more right right yeah it's it's normally a half and then tight ends get an extra half so it's one ppr for tight ends and but don't they do they get they get a higher point total for for first downs they get yeah, an half for first down. It's one first down, one PPR. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Which really isn't all that much of a of an extra premium. Right. When yeah. you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it doesn't do much for you know outside the top like Kittle three or Kelsey four guys. Yeah. 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 Even maybe like a Darren Waller, if he kind of does what he did last year, you know, if he has like 70 or 80 receptions. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Mark Andrews probably still is you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a bump for him, but yeah, I mean, once you get beyond that, like Evan Ingram, does it really do that much for Evan Ingram? I, I, I seriously doubt it. And I think, (laughs) well, yeah, (laughs) that's, that's the first thing, but yeah, I mean, you know, the guys in that range, I, I don't think that it's, 
that it's enough to like that tier of guys. I don't think it's enough to really prioritize the position. If you're not, you know, if you don't get basically Kittle or Kelsey, I, I, I still, I think Andrews is close to that range, but uh, not enough that I'm going to reach past, you know, league winning type running backs to get him. So it, it, it gets interesting though. I'm I, like, the, the thing that I was trying to figure out from Addison or, you know, while we were just <laughs> kind of talking through it, like it almost feels like a, a low volume passing offense is something to, to still target, target a little bit. Like, so Josh Allen, like he's, he's going to be the guy who takes the shots down the field and can't connect because he's a bad passer. But the good news is he's not going to do that a lot. <laughs> so you know, in a, in a given game, like he throw, maybe he throws, um, you know, with a, around a 50% completion rate, but he's still only, he only throws like, you know, seven incompletions and then kind of makes up for it by the fact that <laughs> he's going to throw 14 pass. That's basically what you just said is he's going to throw 14 passes in a game. Yeah. Yeah. If we're that's... going off of your math, hold on, yep. I'll pull, I'll pull up Josh Allen's game log last time. Okay. Okay. Um, and we'll, and then we can adjust it from there, but let me just follow this thread for a second, just because I like, even if it's more than that, it's certainly not going to be the, you know, the 30, 35, 40 attempts that some of these other guys are going to, to have, he's not going to have as high of a completion rate, but he's also just not going to throw as many incompletions. He's also not going to get sacked as much because he's going to take off and run rather than standing in the pocket and getting hit. So that's, that's, that's where it throws me off a little bit. I know that his points per game, it wasn't great. Well, he was a quarterback seven in this scoring. So, you know, he was one spot behind Drew Brees, two in, spots behind, behind Scott Fishbowl scoring. I have him as the quarterback 14. Really? The one yeah. I'm looking at has him as seven. Um, discrepancy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something, something's off. But you know, it 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 does make me wonder if there's still reason to believe that a running quarterback is is still going to be, you know, extra powerful just because of the fact that instead of throwing a bad pass, they're going to take off and run. So Josh Allen averaged 30 attempts per game last year. Outside of what week is this? Oh, week 17. So from weeks one through 16, he averaged 30 pass attempts per game. Um, and he only had three games over a 67% completion percentage, um, which coincidentally were three of his four best games. <laughs> um, yeah. The other game where he had a QB two week with 40 points, that was week 11 against Miami. Um, he did throw 63%, uh, almost 64, but he threw 256 and three with zero interceptions. It wasn't sacked. Yeah. Uh, and then also added uh, 56 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Wow, I'm shocked. I'm shocked at that that he averaged 30 a game, 30 attempts a game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah he had a couple he had a couple I, I, games. He had a 41 attempt, 39, 34, uh 36, wow. 37, 33, 30. Um yeah. a few other ones. His the lowest he ever threw um I mean outside of week 17 was 20 pass attempts. 
Um, so in, in that no, game, he had he was QB eleven that week. <laughs> um, he was fourteen of twenty for one hundred and sixty yards and a touchdown, and yeah. also had a rushing touchdown. So two touchdowns. Yeah. 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 So and so he might be a bad example, although I mean I wasn't too far off like <laughs> 14 and 20 that's not a huge difference when we're talking about pass attempts in a freaking nfl game um but you know it, and it's too bad that that lamar jackson didn't have just kind of a, a normal type of quarterback season because he he would be the one to look at i don't think that he attempted a ton of passes either um, 400 <laughs> 400 yeah. all year that's nutty yeah yeah Wait, yeah so that's I, that's still he's bad. he's someone i'm nervous on in this scoring you know right like i'm i kind of don't know how i feel about it and like brian's giving me the little like you know he doesn't know how he <laughs> feels either but like so it, you know regression is going to come for him in the touchdown department does that yep. mean he's going to perhaps i mean he only threw six picks he threw 36 touchdowns and six picks. Do you see that getting closer in terms of touchdowns are going down and interceptions go up? Like if he hits like 10 picks and maybe high 20s in touchdowns, we'll say, you know, that right there, he's probably going to drop a solid like 100 points just from doing that, which I mean, he's still the quarterback one, but now you're banking on the fact that he runs for 1200 yards and seven touchdowns again. And 72 first downs. <laughs> that is ridiculous, first of all. Right. That's insane. Um, so I mean, yeah, like even like even if he regresses down to um still being a high and elite quarterback, he yeah, he still would would have been the quarterback one last year, but the difference wouldn't have been as huge. It's it's like the same thing we said about Pat Mahomes after 2018, right? Like, mm-hmm. even if he regresses, he's still fantastic. But the difference is now almost negligible to where it's not going to benefit you to draft him so much higher than everybody else. And that's why I'm wondering, you know, if if Lamar Jackson should be the first quarterback off the board, I think it's definitely Pat Mahomes in this format. And then and then we get into Lamar, because even like if his passing efficiency goes down in terms of touchdowns, his interceptions go up. He only had a 66% completion percentage that might or might not go up. I don't really know he might chuck the ball more downfield to Hollywood, um, you know, and have more attempts there if Hollywood's healthy. And, uh, and I don't know if he's going to run 176 times again. Mm-hmm. So now we're kind of like, I don't, it I, feels, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it feels so much harder to try and project his regression than it was with Pat Mahomes though. Because like Pat Mahomes, you know, he, he did it with, with a much more sustainable style of play. You know, it it was still mm-hmm. it was still heavy on the the passing, passing efficiency, um, stuff like that. But like if the if the regression comes for Lamar Jackson in the running game, um, you know, then you know, fewer fewer rushing attempts, like what does that do to to the defensive looks that he's going to get, you know, it, it, it starts to affect things like, um, you know, just the way you game plan, the effectiveness of his running opens up everything for that offense. So, you know, what, 
all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're starting to see more double coverage on your, on your wide receivers and stuff, because they're able to can, you know, contain Lamar Jackson, uh, just with a simple, you know, five man front, something like that. And, so, John, here's the thing about that, though. I, I mean, that's a that's a pretty bold statement. That's there. tough to do. I for mean, sure. That's I don't know that. Have even, you ever even watched with an, Lamar? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even with a even with a, a really great game plan, I'm not sure that a five man front can contain Lamar Jackson from a rushing perspective. Now, if he's being yeah. told don't run as much because you're our franchise player and we don't want you to get hurt, then that's a little bit different. But I don't think that they're doing that. Yeah. So, you know, what if, what if he's, what if he's injured, you know, to a point where he can still play, but he can't run like that's the type of thing. And I, I don't know, there, there are a million hypotheticals, but like, we know the regression is going to come from somewhere. It's just, where does, where does it come from? And what effect does that have on the rest of his game? That's where to me, like the, the, you know, the, the 10, 15% regression, hypothetical it, it doesn't work quite as well as it did with pat mahomes just because you know again a, a you know a 10 percent regression in rushing could mean uh just a massive re- regression just overall you know and again he had what like a 12 percent touchdown rate like if your regression uh, you know if, if the regression starts with his his rushing and then you know the passing isn't quite as efficient um, then you know that that touchdown rate drops precipitously. I, there's there there are just so many ways for him to to lose a significant amount. I think that it could be well over 10, 15 percent pretty easily. So uh, what's really he, interesting? I just pulled up Cam Newton's twenty seventeen stats mm-hmm. um, because I feel like he's the guy that like we the closest thing we've seen to what Lamar's had done. Yeah. Um, so in 2017, Cam Newton uh, threw for 3,300 yards, which is um, actually, I think, more or just about as many as Lamar did. Yeah, um, Lamar had 3,100. Uh, there you Eight. go. So um, and then threw 22 touchdowns and 16 picks. So, I mean, yeah, that's um, probably not what I would expect Lamar to do. I think you would have a couple of, you know, more touchdowns and then less interceptions, but it's around where it should be. Um, and then he also added 750 yards and six touchdowns on the ground. And I think Lamar probably might have more rushing yards there. But um, anyway, this is a really close comp. He was the quarterback 12, Cam Newton was that year in Scott Fishbowl. You know, mm-hmm. so that's and and that's on a 60 percent completion percentage. That's, the, you know, I, I think that would be a really bad drop <laughs> for Lamar. Um, and I'm not expecting that he drops that hard, but. You know, the, the, this is what that stat line and the impact of that stat line has in this scoring. You know, it's, I think it's it's possible that we don't see Lamar return top three value, maybe not top five. I think that's a um, there's a, a you know, maybe a 20, 25 percent chance that he doesn't do that. Um, and and it, it, you know, it's really hard, but it's hard also hard for me to say, I think you should take Russell Wilson over Lamar. I think you should take Dak over Lamar. You know, like it's because mm-hmm. both those guys have their issues as well. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it, it's a pretty clear tier to me if Patrick Mahomes is the as the top quarterback in his own tier. Um, and I think he should be sorry, Brian, I'm going to disagree with you, but I think it should be him and Christian McCaffrey, are the only two people at the one Um, hmm. 
and then the other guy's taking it 101, and then Saquon's 103. Um, so that's I think I think that's how the majority of of uh divisions are gonna go in some sort of that order. It's gonna be those three, and Lamar's gonna be sprinkled in there as well for some people. Um, but yeah, I think that's those are the top four picks for a lot of people, and then it's really gonna decide on the rest of the leagues how those quarterbacks go. Are they all gonna start going in the first? Are some people gonna, you know, in the back of the first say, Well, I'm gonna take Michael Thomas here. And then hope that a guy like Deshaun Watson slides to me at the top of the second, you know. Yeah. So it's so just just for just for reference to again what 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 I'm looking at has Lamar Jackson outscoring the the next quarterback if if we use last year's statistics and I don't know mm-hmm. if this lines up, Addy, with your numbers or whatnot, but it had him outscoring the next quarterback. I hate math uh, <laughs> by. Hold on, just give me a second. I'm old. Mm-hmm. Carry the one. How old? A hundred, a hundred and seventy fantasy points. Yeah, that's a hell. Okay, so 140. That's still. <laughs> that's a hell of a drop to have to not. I mean, I I would be very curious if anyone on this show would like to make a prop bet about Lamar Jackson being a top five quarterback in the fishbowl, assuming health. You think he was 100% going to be? I 100% think he's a top five quarterback in this format. See, I, I don't. I wouldn't take top five. I'd do three, maybe. Yeah, right. I, I couldn't okay. take that. I I couldn't take that bet if you're going to do the health qualifier. <laughs> that that's well, usually I mean, it, that's I mean, usually that, where the regression actually starts. Is these guys get injured somehow? So. You know, I, I like I don't want to predict injury, but I, wasn't like, he semi injured last year? Weren't there a couple games where he had like a little like tiny foot hampering thing and really? probably still ran for like 100? <laughs> yeah, I just feel <laughs> the thing about Jackson, too, is I just feel like they're I mean, yes, I, I mean, I think it's it's smart to assume negative regression, especially with how efficient he was last year. Yeah. However, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he takes steps forward in a lot of different areas, too, and that there's positive regression statistically. Maybe he throws for 3,600 yards this year because he has to throw more because they're putting eight guys in the box. And if they're putting eight guys in the box to stop him from running and they need to put eight guys, not five, you know, (laughs) then 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 that opens things up even more or or gets him rolling outside of the pocket where he is you know so dangerous i mean yeah. i don't i don't necessarily think that it should be automatically assumed it's probably smart based on past history and statistical regression and all of that but i i think he could buck that trend i really do they're that yeah. good too as a team i mean they're they're loaded yeah. Yeah. right and they only got better in the draft which is aggravating but aggravating. Anyway. <laughs> yeah yeah i i like i said if if you're gonna put the qualifier of of assumed health on it there's no way i'm betting against him like if he stays okay, healthy we, you've got to think top five easy what if we say what if we say um assumed assumed health in that he plays he plays and starts 16 games not um, not so so I'm not going to throw it out if he if he twists an ankle but he's still able to play the following week. Right. You know yeah, I mean? that I think it would have to be 15 for him cuz you know he's sitting out week 17. 
Yeah, that's they're gonna true. be they're gonna be like thirteen and three again, and <laughs> yeah, and then right. they'll play against like Cincinnati in week seventeen or whatever, and they're like, whatever. We already <laughs> got the one seed locked up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and we're not we're not gonna. Lamar's already sat anyways. three fourth quarters this year. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that there's a great a great bet to make there. To be honest. Um, because I mean, if 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 you tell me that at the uh, that, that you've seen into the future, and by week seventeen he's still perfectly healthy, uh, you know he's played the entire season healthy. I I would be shocked if he's not a top three quarterback. So like it, we know the regression is coming. It's just. I mean, that's the most likely scenario is that it comes through health. So um, we're we're way long on time. I, I we could easily keep talking about this stuff. I mean, to me, like there's there's still a, a question in my mind. I think that the the whole thing, my whole strategy in the Scott Fish Bowl draft is it it's kind of it kind of revolves around the super flex position, honestly. How do you want to approach it? Do you want to rubber stamp a quarterback? If you do, I think you probably need to take four or five of them. You know, I think that you've got, you, you take the guy who locks down your quarterback one, and then you basically stream within your own roster at the super flex position. If you don't want to make that a priority because you don't want to take that many quarterbacks, which I think is, is totally acceptable. And that, you know what? There are probably going to be weeks where you look at your four other quarterbacks and you say, I don't want to start a freaking one of these guys. So, you know, to me, the, the other strategy that you consider is two, maybe three quarterbacks have the guy that locks up your, your quarterback one position, have a guy who, you know, would be your, your bi-week replacement at QB one. And beyond that, like he, th- you you throw him into the mix, as you know, in, in terms of uh, as streamers at the super flex position, and it can it just encompasses every position, right? It's you're you're looking at it, maybe it's this quarterback, you know. Let's let's call it, um, let's call it Daniel Jones or Gardner Minshew, maybe like the throw one of those guys into into the mix with all your bench running backs and all your bench wide receivers and all your bench tight ends, whoever's got the best matchup, that's who you're going to start that week at, at the super flex position. I think you go one of those two ways personally. So realistically, how many quarterbacks do you think are every single week starts that you'd be comfortable with in that quarterback one spot? Um, assuming that you go that route, you know, that you're like prioritizing quarterback first round off the rip. Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably in the neighborhood of five. And, you know, and, and I will have that second quarterback that I could potentially like, I, I can still play matchups with those two quarterbacks, you know? So uh, like for me, Carson Wentz is a guy who's going, who's very underrated, who uh, I, I think makes a ton of sense um, in this, in this format. I think he's, uh, 
you know, he, he definitely could at least be a spot starter for me. And, and, you know, quarterback 10 in this scoring, um, I'm probably getting him in like the fourth round or something like that. So, you know, if I went, if I went, you know, Dak Prescott with my first pick, um, or not my first pick, but you know, if I, if, if I went Dak Prescott early and then, you know, waited a couple rounds for Carson Wentz and then just called it good at quarterback. I think that I would probably be set at QB one all season. And I think that I would still end up starting a quarterback at super flex more often than not. His ADP is so interesting. <laughs> there were Carson, one, Carson two, Wentz. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11 quarterbacks at uh, who have a minimum drafted value inside the first two rounds. Yeah. <laughs> Carson Wentz, was, his minimum was 20, but his max was 60. Yeah. Like, what a freaking range of, like, yeah. four rounds. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, like, this is... And that's it's going to be so different, division to division. It's going to be so weird. You're going to have to be able to adjust like that like on the fly to understand like how your league is going to start to draft. Yeah. And I think that you have to have tiers of, of quarterbacks in particular. Uh, Like you, you can't just say, I mean, you, you could just say Drew Brees, but like, if you do that, I think you've got to take him earlier than what you really want to do. Whereas if you make it a rank, if you make it a tier of guys, if you call it like, you know, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom, Tom Brady and Matt Ryan, I think you have a much better chance of landing one of the guys within that tier. And I think you do it again at your second quarterback. I, I, I think you do it at every quarterback position that you intend to, to draft. Is, is there a strat where you say screw quarterbacks and then grab like Car Garoppolo and Tannehill and, and <laughs> Dwayne Haskins and then just think... play one of them? Because, I mean, at I that point, if realistically, your starting lineup could be so strong that you know you have an RB two or a wide receiver three in your super flex, yeah. You know, so I think here's the way that that you make that work. I don't think I could do it, but so what? Here's what we do know. So the last three years, there's been that second year breakout guy. There's been that quote unquote pop guy. Chances are we're going to see that again this year. Are they going to be the QB one overall? Uh, it's it's awfully hard to predict that part. But, you know, top five and give you consistently startable weeks. Like if 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 you subscribe to that trend, to that narrative, then I think that you could use that. And and then you just think about like who who are the guys who are likely to do it? And if you do want to focus in on the the, you know, the year two guys and you grab, you know, if if Daniel Jones falls in far enough to make it into that range, then I think you do that. But then, you know, it's Drew Locke, it's Gardner Minshew, it's Dwayne Haskins, maybe even Jarrett Stidham. Like throw those guys, throw those guys into that uh, under that umbrella as possible, you know, pop guys and, uh, you know, hope that one of those guys, you hope that you get the guy who ends up doing having that, you know, that pop type season to me, I think that's the only way I think I could do it though. Like I, I don't want, you know, four or five guys who 
again, like they're, you're going to look at them on some weeks and be like, not a freaking one of these guys is startable. I don't, <laughs> don't want to be in that position. Uh, see, I think I'm in, I think with me being at the one one I am taking Christian McCaffrey. My mind's already made up. I haven't, I haven't okay. really, um, swayed between him. I mean, it's been him and Mahomes for me, but I haven't swayed towards taking Mahomes. um, you know, pretty hard. So I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. And I think that there is definitely going to be a world and a possibility that if say the seven or eight of the next basically 24 picks before I'm up at 212 again, our quarterbacks mm-hmm. where I just say, screw it. And I just, you know, and I, and I do what I just said. I just grab like four or five guys and I'll just, you know, play the the stream game in my, in my quarterback spot and have a skill player in my super flex. Um, there might be some weeks where I can start two of the guys, um, two of the quarterbacks, but you know, more often than not, I think that would be um, unwise to do. And I think that being at the one Oh one and to everybody else out there with the one one listening, I think that that would be the pick where this is more likely to happen. Um, assuming that you don't take Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, you know, if you go Christian McCaffrey, and then the next best quarterback at the turn there is like Aaron Rodgers or Carson Wentz, who don't get me wrong are like good quarterbacks, but like they're, you know, if everybody else is going quarterback, good players are going to be down there. Like if Julio Jones is there at the 212, how am I taking Carson Wentz over Julio Jones? You know, like <laughs> I don't think I can, you know, I, if Kenyon Drake is there, if Kenyon Drake is there, you know, how, how do you yep, not start Carson off Wentz. your draft? Um, Christian McCaffrey, Kenyon Drake, and Julio Jones. I would have no problem passing on both of those guys for a quarterback. You know what, John? <laughs> Whatever. So another, uh, so another aspect of this. <laughs> just I, I, I'm probably gonna. Maybe we shouldn't open this this box. So I'll, I'll just say it real fast. The other <laughs> thing that I think, nice. the other. <laughs> The other thing that I think is going to be important in the fishbowl uh, more, I mean, and, and it is more, I don't draft handcuffs in dynasty leagues, hardly ever handcuffs yeah. in the fishbowl matter. They Ooh, do. do. I mean, they do you draft your handcuffs or other people's handcuffs, your handcuffs. Really? Yes. Because yeah. other people's handcuffs, here's the thing. If you're drafting other people's handcuffs, then something has to happen. An injury has to happen for them to have. I, I mean, you, you are, you're wasting a roster spot, essentially. I think you're Me. wasting a roster spot on the other way. But if your guy goes down, then you insert the guy. But if their guy goes down, you insert your guy. But you, but t- <laughs> so, so here's well, but here's the thing about that. So typically, if you're if you're handcuffing, if you're handcuffing your own guy and your own guy goes down, you put him in. If you're handcuffing another guy, okay. So say you draft Rykel Armstead, just. Or Dion Lewis. God, please don't let it be Dion Lewis. Is that Dion Lewis on the Jaguars? No, he's he he backs up Saquon Barkley for the Giants now. So please, it's not Wayne Gallman. It is. Well, it's it's Lewis slash Gallman. I think it would be Gallman. Regardless, that's not the argument, Addison. Tony You're getting Pollard. us off track. Tony Pollard. Okay. Golly. You're getting okay, Tony. No, because Tony Pollard fits into another category, and we'll just a minute. Oh Chase okay. Edmonds. <laughs> no, he fits in the other category too. Stop saying names. My turn. My turn. Um, if you if you 
if you have someone else's handcuff on your roster, you're not plate replacing Christian McCaffrey or Kenyon Drake with their handcuff. You're likely not replacing your wide receiver three or your flex, your third flex guy with their handcuff. Likely. Mm -hmm. That's why it's different for me because you, you would be inserting them directly into your starting lineup. If, if you have your own guys handcuffed. So that's where it's different. I think you bring up a good point though. You know, when you're looking at handcuffs in general, look for guys that have standalone value. If you're not, if you're not getting your own handcuffs, you know, look for guys like Naeem Hines. Look for guys like, um, you know, you said Tony Pollard. That's a great one. You know, look for guys like Chase Edmonds who might have a little bit of value, probably not, but might have a little bit of value outside of just, you know, if somebody gets hurt. So that's my that's my handcuff take. We don't have to go a whole lot further than that. <laughs> my only problem with Addison wants to argue and then let's do it. No. My only problem with drafting your own handcuffs. So like I just said, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey 101, right? I don't see the value or the benefit of drafting Reggie Bonafan. I don't. <laughs> yeah. So if if you're I, talking- I also don't think that that Bonafan is gonna do much better than some other backup running back that I have. You know, he's not going to be McCaffrey, obviously not. Right. But Tony Pollard, if I draft Tony Pollard instead, maybe like five rounds earlier than what I would have grabbed Bonifan, you know, and then Zeke goes down. Pollard is now a, an RB one, but he also has standalone value without Zeke getting hurt. Sure. And that but makes him different. Down, then he's, he's an RB one. I'm playing him that week. You know, I'm a hundred percent playing him that week. I think the yeah. same thing too. Like I, just, I think, I, mean, I think I would draft Benny Snell in the same situation. As a Steelers fan, you might disagree with me, and you might think that Anthony McFarlane's really good. Um, well, I don't think Jalen Samuels died. If we'd right. like to go there, but I also think Benny Snell was the guy. Anyway, this is also anyway. <laughs> we're talking about what JJ Zacharyson said that we don't really know who these people's handcuffs are. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's so true. That's, that's also a good point. another. That's also another argument to be made against drafting your own handcuff because you actually might not even know. Like if Joe Mixon holds out, I think it's Giovanni Bernard, and I'm pretty strong on that. But it might not be. It might be Travion. It might be Rodney. You know. So like, but like those are the guys that I would. I would rather if I have Christian McCaffrey, if I have Zeke, if I have Saquon, I want to draft. Maybe Zeke's not a good example because I want Tony Pollard anyway. Um, but I want to draft other people's handcuffs because that raises my ceiling versus stabilizes my floor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know that I agree with that, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We can agree to disagree. We get that. both of our each other's points. I mean, that's, 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 that's the handcuff argument. It's, yes. <laughs> yeah, it still feels like a, a lot of the the handcuffs somebody else is running back. Like it's it's still kind of based on trade value. I would assume, but I, I don't know. Like I, it works both ways. And at the end of the day, I mean, you, you have to, a lot of the running backs that you're going to use throughout the season, you're going to have to get off of waivers anyways. So like you can definitely take some shots in the draft, but at the end of the day, like where this thing is going to be won and lost is in, is in season roster management and finding, you know, Raheem Mostert, on on waivers at some point in the season so that's gonna be hard though because they're 20 you have 22 man rosters in scott fishbowl there's not really any waivers 
Why are we disrespecting Raheem Mostert so badly? I fought this battle last night. For God's sakes, he I might love, win you the damn fishbowl. I love Raheem Mostert. He, but you're, you're not going to get him on waivers. Well, he not this year, year, but last he year. Last year, year, oh, last last year. okay. Last year you yeah. got Mostert. God, I thought I'm losing my mind. It's the pain. I'm going <laughs> to blame it on the pain. Just because. Oh, gosh, I thought I was <laughs> losing it. John, John's thing was that you, if you're able to grab this year's Raheem Mostert off yes. of waivers. Yes. But yeah. then that was whoever led, that is led me to say that it might not happen because waivers are so thin anyway that when a guy like that appears, you literally have to throw all hundred bucks at it. <laughs> and sometimes if you yeah if you don't have a hundred, you know, that yeah. and, and last year was really weird anyway, just because of how many quarterbacks went down that like every single week there was a new quarterback that you could start. Right. So <laughs> that was really weird. But yeah, but like I'm not banking on being able to grab that that one guy off of waivers because the waivers are so thin and you know everybody just kind of knows especially when a Raheem Mostert shows up or a 2017 Damian or uh, 2018 Damian Williams, you know? Like when yeah. that guy shows up, you're you're cashing everything. You can't right. hold that. Cuz <laughs> <laughs> he he might be the only guy that was really worth picking up. You know, you yeah. can throw $3 at the wide receiver four on that, um, you know, on the Jaguars because LaVisca Chenault got hurt and DJ Chark is sitting out this week. And like, that's yeah. Fantastic. But like, you know, yeah, just because of how, how thin waivers are because there's 22 man rosters, it's 264 players that are owned, you know? And so it's just, you know, you really have to be the, the, the free agent budget is, uh, is a, it's a really, weird thing in Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, it it gets difficult. So an hour and uh, almost an hour and 45 minutes and uh we didn't accomplish a whole lot. <laughs> 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 it's still it's still just as murky as it was almost 2 hours ago. So um but uh you know first of all uh, got to thank our guy Addy for coming back on and joining. Um it, again check out the uh that cheat sheet that'll be out. So this, this episode is probably coming out like a day before your cheat sheet comes out. So just a little bit of patience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just a little bit of patience. And that $1 cheat sheet will be here sooner than you know it. Uh, Make sure you're, if you're not already following him, it's at amazehaze underscore on Twitter. And that's where you can uh, uh, follow along and make sure that uh, when the cheat sheet comes out, you get the notification you go pick that up and uh it'll it's it's going to be a lot more helpful uh than the three of us just kind of sitting around speculating on <laughs> on draft strategy but uh what else Addy? anything else uh anything else that you're working on right at the moment that that we need to know about uh i mean no not really i mean i, I do a lot of work with DLF for the uh the tools and stuff that are on there Um, I didn't have any hand in the my DLF thing that just came out. That's a fantastic um, tool that Mike McGregor um, built out where you can sync uh, your MFL leagues to the DLF trade analyzer and be able to actually make trades uh, or at least, you know, analyze trades. We're um, looking at the capability of once you've made a trade in DLF that you can then send it to MFL, um, which would be really cool. Um, So we're, we're working on that possibility. And then, um, uh, the, the DLF YouTube channel 
I do a lot of work over there. Uh, I have a couple shows every single week. Uh, try to find guests for a lot of them, like the the drafting lessons where I mock draft a dynasty startup uh, or dynasty rookie mocks uh, with with guests uh, every single week. The the versus show that I'm uh, working on grabbing a bunch of guests for, where you just argue player values and and debate over people. Um, I think it'd be really fun, Brian, to get you on to talk about Saquon. Uh, and then John to get you on about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so, so that would be cool. Uh, so yeah, just then, then there's also just a bunch of other videos. Uh, uh, Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler drop an ADP show. Uh, Adam Wildy and Chris Allen dropped the mailbag. There's a lot of content over there. It's all hundred percent free. Um, so you don't have to be a DLF subscriber. So that's over on the DLF YouTube channel. Uh, it's youtube.com slash dynasty league football. Um, so that's, uh, and then, yeah, at Amaze is underscore. And then that's where I'll be like power posting out this, uh, spreadsheet whenever it's, it's dropped as well as the, that new website that I teased earlier as well. <laughs> so yeah, in other words, not a whole lot going on, not a whole lot, just, <laughs> just chilling. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Har? Anything, uh, anything you're working on right now? Just trying to survive the the back pain and yeah i'm working on losing my sciatica somehow it's probably not good to lose it but yeah i'm, I'm trying to numb it as much as possible um no i i mean so i'm, I'm around I'm, a, I'm around trade addicts pod uh our show of course um dap network we're still we're still working some things out there that's going to be pretty cool eventually but uh no i'm not working on a whole lot hardly yeah. working that, that's hardly working. Get it? <laughs> nice. That was so bad. So bad. <laughs> Didn't work nearly hard enough on that pun. <laughs> yeah. There. There we go. Uh, the The one thing that I want to plug is that I am doing some Scott Fishbowl mock drafts. Um, all the all the scoring, all the settings on on SFB and uh, SFBX specifically. So. Uh, you know, it, we also, I'm doing, uh, 22 round drafts. And for those who, uh, who lose interest way too fast, we also have some 15 round mocks, mock drafts available as well. Uh, you, I, you know, I, I try my best to get everybody in there, uh, the, the draft position that they've been assigned, um, definitely get you within a, a pick or two of that. And I also have been making sure that nobody is in uh, a, a mock draft from with somebody from your own division. So the whole sleight of hand thing, uh, don't you don't have to worry about that. You, you when you fill out the form, go to go to my page at Superflex, dude. I've, I'm tweeting out that form every couple hours or so. Uh, when you fill that out, you tell me what division you're in, and I'll make sure that you're not in a mock draft with somebody from your division. So they're not going to get any inside information on what you're trying to do. You can draft the way you actually intend to draft uh, in the Scott Fishbowl draft and uh, without worrying about giving away any kind of secrets or anything like that. And we end up with some much more clean ADP that way. <laughs> so, so, yeah, draft the way you're going to draft. Uh, and, and again, uh, at Superflex dude on Twitter and you can find that form there. So again, thank you to Addy for coming on. It's at Amaze Hayes underscore, uh, for Brian Har at Brian Har FF. I'm at Superflex dude. 
We'll wrap it up there for the week and uh, ask you for a quick favor to subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, you can also catch us on the DLF family of podcasts, mega feed, uh, rate and review this show for us. If you would, please, it helps us to get out to more people, touch on more topics that are useful to you, the listener. Um, also hit us up on Twitter, uh, at Superflex show or in, even better get to us individually. And we're much better at responding to those ones. I'm, I'm sorry to say thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to heart and soul radio for the music and above all else. Thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexible.